the long-awaited king finally makes his appearance before a villain seeks the life of this infant messiah. On the Bible Brief. We have other speeds through the Bible besides this walkthrough you're listening to. Check out our other series labeled Sprint, Run, or Jog for faster speeds through the Bible story. Now it's Mary's turn. Six months after Elizabeth had welcomed her baby John, Mary was getting close to her own labor. She just hoped that she would get to Bethlehem before it happened. Despite her state at the tail end of her pregnancy, she was having to travel because of a distant king in a foreign land. The Caesar in Rome had commanded a census of the whole Roman Empire, and in order to abide by the decree, she and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem. Since Joseph was of David's lineage, he was required to go there to register for the census. And since Mary was his betrothed, soon-to-be wife, she needed to register with him. They traveled by land on surely busy roads given the census. And after 60 miles of traveling from Nazareth, they arrived in the historic town of Bethlehem. Bethlehem had a rich past, full of sadness, full of victory, and full of hope. It was in Bethlehem where their forefather Jacob had lost his favorite wife Rachel to death. It was in Bethlehem where Ruth had met Boaz before continuing a family line first producing the great King David and now ultimately culminating in the greatest king of them all. Despite its small size, Bethlehem would be marked as one of the most consequential towns in all the world. Because here, the king of kings would be born. From the little town of Bethlehem, a little baby would be born to a little family. And this little baby would go on to do the biggest of things. After their arrival, Mary and Joseph had trouble finding a room. The local inn was at full capacity and homes were bursting with relatives and out-of-towners. So the little family had to settle for something, well, less than ideal. They would be the roommates of animals, staying in the only area of a home that had room left for them. And so there, with no trumpets, no royal procession, and no attention, Mary began her labor. A labor like all those since her family tree began with Eve, with pain and struggle. Yet at the end of her labor, she held her son. The hope of the nation, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And after holding him for a while, she finally set him in the animal's feeding trough to get some sorely needed rest. Surely she wondered why God would bring his Messiah into the world like this. Surely she wondered how she would ever raise this son. Surely she wondered what surprises lay ahead for their lives. But the surprises would come even before she expected. Something was happening outside of Bethlehem. The shepherds were in the middle of the night watch over their sheep. Most of the sheep were sleeping under the stars, and the shepherds ensured that none wandered off and that no predator would come to steal one. It was a night probably similar to the night before, and the night before that as well. But this night was about to get uncommon indeed. 
It began with light. Light like something the shepherds had never seen. Light that signaled the presence of something otherworldly, a being that had been in the presence of God. And at this, the shepherds cowered in fear. Fear for their very lives, so frightening was this appearance of the angelic messenger. But a voice soon broke the terror in their hearts. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Messiah the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels departed, the shepherds immediately left and hurried to find this baby that the angel had told them about. The Messiah had been born in Bethlehem, the city of David. But as they ran, there were probably thoughts that began to rush into their minds. Wait, a manger? A feeding trough? Why is the Messiah in a feeding trough? Why us? Maybe those angels told people all around Judea, we may be the last ones to arrive. I wonder what he will be like, the one we've waited for for all this time. Soon they finally came to the spot, and surprised as they were, Mary and Joseph welcomed these shepherds and heard their magnificent story of the angelic appearance in the hills. And soon, just as they had come, they left glorifying and praising God at all they had seen and heard. Apparently these shepherds were the only ones invited by the angels that night. Not the rulers of the nation, just a few young shepherds welcoming the King of Kings. Now about a month and a half later, Mary and Joseph brought the king into the king's city into Jerusalem to be presented at the temple to the Lord. Jesus' parents were intent to keep the law of Moses, and according to the law, any firstborn male was to be holy to the Lord. And even in their poverty, they made a small sacrifice at the temple as the law required. Previously, they'd also circumcised Jesus on the eighth day after his birth, the sign of the Abrahamic covenant from so long ago. Even though Jesus was a special child, he was also an Israelite through and through, and he would grow up under the law of Moses, just as every other Jew of his day did. Now, as we might guess, the surprises following the birth of Jesus didn't end with that sudden visit from those shepherds in the middle of the night. No, now that they were in Jerusalem, more surprises were in store, this time from a man named Simeon. He was a man righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took the child up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, 
a light for revelation to the nations and for glory to your people, Israel. Simeon blesses God and expresses even more about this infant in his arms. He's the salvation provided by God. He is the light of revelation to the nations. He is the glory of Israel. Already Simeon sees the worldwide scope of what this Messiah will accomplish, and he glorifies God even in his old age. But that's not all he said. Next he turns to Mary with these words, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Simeon expresses a great hope about the child, but also a sort of ominous warning. Jesus won't be appointed merely for the rising of many in Israel, but for the falling too. He will be opposed. He will reveal hearts. And probably most troubling for Mary to hear, Simeon says that a sword will pierce through her own soul too. That's surely not something any mother wants to hear. Difficult days are ahead for her and for her child. Simeon hands the child back, and another prophetess named Anna comes to celebrate this little Messiah in the city of Jerusalem. It's not even been two months, and Mary and Joseph have gotten a little taste of the life of Jesus. A life marked by the amazing, the amazing and the difficult. Now, since they'd been staying in Bethlehem, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus went back to the city to spend a little while longer before they went back to their hometown of Nazareth. Yet, before long, they had another surprise, another nighttime visit. But this time it wasn't shepherds. It was men with strange accents from a faraway land. Mary could tell that they had been on a long journey, though they were arrayed with finery indicating wealth. And no doubt she was in amazement at what they did when they arrived. These men immediately fell down and worshipped the child. And after worshipping, they brought out precious gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, valuable commodities indeed. They brought gifts fit for a king, despite the poverty of the little child's family. These wise men sought the favor of the one they had been searching for on their journey. The king indicated by a miraculous star But these men didn't just pay homage to the king. They worshipped him. Worshipped him as only God is worshipped. In their wisdom, they knew something that it would take many years for others to understand. It was soon after they left that difficulty struck. It so happened that on the wise men's journey to find the Messiah, these men had crossed paths with the king of Judea, a man named Herod. They told Herod that they were on their way to find the king of the Jews, and more so they said that Bethlehem was their final destination. While this was innocent enough on the part of the wise men, Herod took this information and began a scheme. They had said that this little one would be king, and Herod had no room for another king in his Roman territory. Rather than entertain any potential uprising from among the Jews to follow this so-called king, he would nip this rebellion in the bud before it even started. Herod would seek the life of this infant, and he would do it now. But not before an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph 
and says something surprising indeed. The angel says this, Rise and flee to Egypt. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023